I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Home, home on the range, where the patriots see the red wave, where seldom is heard a dirty communist word, and the skies fly our flag all day. It's high noon for Monday, May 10th. 2021 follow the podcast on the telegram messenger app at t.me slash i'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash be reasonable i'm also on gab from time to time at i'm your moderator and i believe that the merch site link is finally working so go to www.cancelcotour.com and buy something support the podcast trigger some communists it'll be great Today is the 110th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where his nominee, who was then confirmed as CIA director, is actually also compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, a family that just last year hid half a million dollars in tax money from the government. But you can pay your fair share. Joe Biden is also the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You didn't think very hard. Then you acted, and now you just ignore it to pretend that no one else can see what you've done. And of course, I'd love to extend a warm high noon Monday welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. I'm glad you're here. I know you didn't mean to, but you inadvertently walked yourself into joining a hate movement. Can I say it in a nicer way? Not really. Because the thing is, you know I'm right. I know. I know, Kami. You think that you're the nice one and that everyone who thinks the same thoughts you think are the nice ones too. Unfortunately, if you actually look around at those people who you trust and believe and align yourself with, you can notice pretty quickly that they don't actually know anything more than you do about any of it. So really what you're both doing is saying, hey, those people on TV, they know what's up. But let's find out. And what better way to do that than by checking in with veritable Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci. So what is this? Okay, let's get to mask wearing because this is where... Uh, you know, at what point can we stop wearing masks outside? At what point, if vaccinated people get together, 
you take the mask off. Hey, Chuck, you can already do that now. You don't need Anthony Fauci's permission. Just go outside with your mask off. And oh, yeah, you look like a melting Lego man. And are we going to, but is the mask going to be something we have with us in a seasonal aspect? Now, this question is interesting because there is actually no motivation from the real world for asking this. Okay, this is a setup for a narrative. This is not people's real question. Can we ever take the mask off? If you're asking that question, you are a serious, serious, child-brained, rock-dumb communist. Sorry, commie. It's true. You don't want it said about you. Grow up. You know, that's quite possible. I think people have gotten used to the fact that wearing masks, clearly, if you look at the data, diminishes respiratory diseases. We've had practically a non-existent flu season this year merely because people were doing the kinds of public health things that were directed predominantly against COVID-19. The Australians during their winter, same thing. They had almost no flu, largely due to the kinds of things, including mask wearing. So it is conceivable that as we go on a year or two or more from now, that during certain seasonal periods, Mm -hmm. when you have respiratory-borne viruses like the flu, people might actually elect to wear masks to diminish the likelihood that you'll spread these respiratory-borne diseases. See, now, if Chuck was a real reporter and not a retired minor league relief pitcher, which, you know, may not be true, but also look at his goatee, and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, he definitely is a retired minor league relief pitcher. There is no data in the world that says masks worked. And Chuck doesn't follow up on that. Chuck isn't interested in what the data is. Why didn't Dr. Mengele bring along an infographic that shows this data? There is no data, not a single randomized controlled trial anywhere in the entire world that shows that masks work. The CDC released a study that showed a statistically insignificant difference in terms of mask mandates, but that study was quickly debunked by actual scientists and not the frauds at the CDC. But that's not the part of this I want to focus on, okay? Anthony Fauci made one of the stupidest arguments in the world, and it's actually deeper than people have noticed before and that I myself have noticed before. Anthony Fauci just made the argument that because flu went completely away, masks work. So we have all these COVID cases that apparently need a double mask. That's what prevents those COVID cases, right? The COVID is so strong that it can get around anything except masks at any point. And even with the mask on to the point where the flu is totally eliminated, COVID is still powerful enough to get itself on in there. So this whole time, flu was gone, right? January somehow, but according to the the statistics, this is what they're telling us. January was the most deadly period for COVID. Does anyone remember that? 
Does anyone remember January feeling anything like last April? Were people scared in January? Not commies, I mean people. Like full-grown thinking adults. Was anyone scared in January? No. Why? Because no one could see these deaths, these COVID deaths around them. And that's basically true of nearly the entire period. Now, I know some people lost some people. I'm sorry about that. I would ask first what other conditions they had, how old they were, whether or not they were obese, and then whether or not they were put on a ventilator. If the answer to any of those is yes, then sorry, that person you know almost definitely did not die of COVID. If people were dying left and right from the coronavirus, then its deadliest point would have also been the scariest. Except it wasn't, not at all. So the mask prevented all of the flu, but didn't prevent the coronavirus at all, even though the mask and the habits were operational at the same time. What really happened is that the flu was entirely replaced by the coronavirus, a disease that shares almost all of the characteristics with the flu, except for the fact that it doesn't kill young people. But that's the first observation and the most common one. That's the one we've all discussed plenty of times. Okay, but this is the one that I haven't seen discussed anywhere and I hadn't thought of till last night. So I'm going to share the thought. And if you already had it, congratulations, you're smarter than me. If masks are so effective against the flu, why in the world did it take till 2020, 2021 to encourage mask use against the flu? What we have is a disease that kills anywhere roughly from 15,000 to 80,000 or so in an average year. It's always a range. Sometimes it's lower. Sometimes it's higher. But it's usually somewhere in the middle of those two numbers. So that many people die every year. And all we had to do to save all those people, according to the logic, Anthony Fauci just applied. Okay, this is Anthony Fauci, the director of the NIAID. He's had this job for about 35, 40 years. This is what he does, studies infectious diseases, right? So Anthony Fauci, our great master, our god of medicine, the man who literally summons the science from on high and then delivers it to us as a favor. The god of communism, Anthony Fauci, that guy just straight up allowed 15,000, 20,000, 40,000 80,000 people a year to die because he didn't think of wearing masks before this. It's strange, too, because they've always had flu shots, which most people don't even bother getting because most people aren't scared of the flu. But those never worked. Tens of thousands of people every year would die 
from influenza. Did they just never think of telling people to wear masks? Did they just never think of advising people that maybe that would work? Of course not. Masking wasn't just invented. They've tried it before. They actually never advise it because the mask has no physical way to prevent viral spread. And it doesn't matter how many people wear them. If the mask stops the flu, then Anthony Fauci has just admitted that he has failed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Americans who unnecessarily died from the flu on his watch. He just said it on Meet the Press. What are we supposed to think? Oh, you could have told us masking this whole time. And of course, Anthony Fauci doesn't think that because he knows he's communicating to child-brained communists who can't think past the things he says. Why in the world should anyone trust the director of the Institute for Infectious Diseases if he can't think up masking over 35 to 40 years in his position? Or perhaps he did think of it, but where was the science? Has there ever been a mask study? Of course there has. Has there ever been any proof that masks would stop the spread of an infectious viral disease? No. That is why he never advised it. You can't have it both ways, Nazi doctor. How much more obvious could it be that he's lying? The lie is embedded in the sentence. If we take what he said to be true, then it shows him to be a fraud and completely incompetent and an irresponsible custodian of public health. So which one is it? If you're good at your job, then it's obvious you're lying. If you're telling the truth, then it's obvious you're very bad at your job. So choose one, Tony, or choose both, because the truth is you're lying and you're incompetent. But here's more from the Nazi doctor. Um, anybody that uh, at this point, anybody that trusts you, trusts the government, trusts us in the media has gotten a vaccine. One of my favorite things about current media is when they accidentally are honest. So. Chuck Todd, on some level, understands that the reason people aren't getting vaccinated at the rates they want is because they don't trust Chuck Todd, they don't trust Anthony Fauci, and they don't trust the government. Now, even the way he laid that out, if you are awake to any of this, if you pay any attention to anything, you would hear that and be like, oh, wow, he really is just talking to brain dead people. If they trust you, if they trust the government, 
if they trust the media, then they've been vaccinated. Who in the world has both read a whole book in the last 10 years and also trusts Anthony Fauci, the government and the media? (laughs) Honestly, that is what they are relying on. And they're telling you that. That might as well have been a multiple choice answer to the question, how could a person be wrong about absolutely everything? I think we it's safe to assume those that haven't have some trust issues. Maybe it's trust with their with the medical community. Maybe it's trust with government. Maybe it's trust with us in the media. So what is what kind of strategies do you think are necessary to get us up to that 80, 85 percent? I mean, we're seeing. Financial coercion, is that the way to go? Are mandates the way to go? What is the strategy going forward? Financial coercion? Are you basically just admitting that this is breaking the Nuremberg Code, Chuck? Because it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. And 80 to 85%? What? That number of vaccinated people is entirely unnecessary and in no way related to herd immunity, which, by the way, we pretty much already have and have had for a very long time. It's not 80 to 85 percent. That number's made up. And those people don't have to be vaccinated. They just have to be immune from COVID, which does not require a vaccine. And the vaccine doesn't make you immune from COVID. So what are you idiots talking about? I think it's twofold, Chuck. One, you've got to get trusted messengers out there getting people to understand why it's important to get vaccinated for themselves, their family, and the community. And, you know, different types of people in different phases in life have different trusted messengers. It could be sports figures. It could be entertainment figures. It could be clergy, or it could be your family doctor. That's the first thing, trusted messengers. Are we all clear about this? They are not interested in convincing you that the vaccine could actually save your life because, of course, it can't. Your life was in no danger. Not any more than normal. Especially because masks solved that whole flu thing. So now we don't have to worry about that at all. So fear of the disease definitely cannot convince people to be vaccinated which you should understand means people aren't scared of the disease. Now, there are a bunch of communists out there who are such suckers that they think they're saving other people's lives and that they should be thought of as heroes. That is laughably stupid. But it makes them feel good. And that's the whole point. If it was actual knowledge and an actual philosophy and morality about life, they wouldn't have such a hard time explaining it. The next thing is make it as easy as possible for people to get vaccinated, which we're doing now with the 40,000 pharmacies. Got it? So you get LeBron James and Beyonce, and then you pay off some clergymen all around the country, particularly in the black neighborhoods, because we know that the black people only listen to their pastors. Right, Anthony? Isn't that how it works? That's what you always tell us 
about how politics works, too. That's how you get the black community. You just go on into those churches and convince their pastors to tell everyone to do something. Because those people don't think for themselves. Right, Tony? Is that what you're saying, Tony? And your family doctor. Well, that's interesting. How come you don't have doctors giving out shots and instead you just have vaccine centers? They think everyone can just be tricked by celebrities and authority figures. And again, this is exactly how they communicate to their base. They want you to understand that they are the authority. Don't think for yourself whatsoever. Don't bother researching it. It's too hard for you to understand. But here's LeBron. LeBron, here's LeBron with a message about voting and vaccines because he's an expert at voting in vaccines. And you know that by how good he is at basketball. Just don't ask him to actually explain anything. One more from the Nazi doctor. Um, We got a new analysis from the University of Washington that indicates um, more than 900,000 Americans have died from this virus. So it's almost double what we were able to track. Um, Just your overall reaction and and what uh, what does this tell you about our ability to sort of track this virus that we may have undercounted by almost 50%? You know, we've been saying and the CDC has been saying all along that it is very likely that we're undercounting you know, the model says that it's a significant amount, as you mentioned correctly, 900,000. That's a bit more than I would have thought uh, the undercounting was. But, you know, sometimes the models are right online. Sometimes they're a bit off. But I, I think there's no doubt, um, Chuck, that we are and have been undercounting. What that tells us is something that we've known. You know, we're living through a historic pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in over 100 years. And there we have it. A whole new thing for commies to go around browbeating people with. So now we didn't we don't have a half a million plus people dead with COVID. And that's one of their favorite things in an argument. How can you say that when five hundred thousand people died? How can you say that when nearly a million people died? I wonder if they have scheduled it, <laughs> scheduled that model to just coincide that million number with a convenient date on the political calendar. Maybe the New York Times will run another massive front page like they did when we reached 100,000 and they listed the names of all the people who had died and the sixth one on the list was murdered. (laughs) Yeah, that's real. This is how much bullshit we're dealing with when it comes to the numbers they're giving us. Okay, so we know that they made the cycle threshold far too high, basically double what it was supposed to be so that the PCR test will pick up viral fragments of anything at 40 cycles, but show no indication whatsoever that the person has an active coronavirus infection. So automatically right there, We understand, and the CDC has said, it's literally on their website right now, that 95% of the coronavirus deaths 
that they have recorded were with coronavirus and had other significant comorbidities. Only 5% of the deaths are attributable directly to coronavirus. This is healthy people we're talking about. 5% of the COVID deaths in the country, as they have recorded them, are to healthy people that did not have another listed cause of death. Okay? And I'm so I'm not just saying that someone died from COVID but had cancer, right? That would still appear on the COVID stats. We're talking about what's listed on cause of death certificates. And there are an average of four comorbidities or additional causes of death in the CDC's report. So if Fauci is now telling us and this model out of Washington, and by the way, you'll remember that the model out of Washington was wildly inaccurate. These beginning models, the two models that were referred to were the Imperial College London model. That's Neil Ferguson. And then the other one was from the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. That's the IHME model. Remember? So this is the same group of people doing this analysis as last year. They weren't anywhere close on their models last year. But let's see how they did their models, right? Because as we know, all sorts of COVID infections are asymptomatic. And the amount of people who have actually had the coronavirus is far, far higher than the people who, who have gone and gotten tested and had positive tests recorded, okay? Multiples we're talking about here. And those multiples would actually mean that, like I said earlier, we reached herd immunity last year. But let's see if there's more to this study. And let's go to the government communist publication, NPR. The group reached its estimates by calculating excess mortality based on a variety of sources, including official death statistics from various countries, as well as academic studies of other locations. Then it examined other mortality factors influenced by the pandemic. For example, some of the extra deaths were caused by increased opioid overdoses or deferred health care. On the other hand, the dramatic reduction in flu cases last winter and a modest drop in deaths caused by injury resulted in lower mortality in those categories than usual. Researchers at UW ultimately concluded that the extra deaths not directly caused by COVID were effectively offset by the other reductions in death rates, leaving them to attribute all of the net excess deaths to the coronavirus. You got that? So they basically just made it up. And now, because they give a half-assed explanation that we think it's probably about the same, like, yeah, sure, more people died because their lives turned terrible and people turned to drugs and alcohol and abuse and crime, and then we had Black Lives Matter killing people. So that we had. But don't worry, because we totally erased the flu. And so basically what they're telling us is they found... 400,000 or 300,000 what? What's today's special Biden number? Like 575,000? So let's say we have 325,000 excess deaths. Where are they? Where are the 325,000 extra people that just died? 
since we actually don't have 325,000 excess deaths. And so how exactly did they do that? They looked at excess mortality from March 2020 through May 3rd, 2021, compared it with what would be expected in a typical non-pandemic year, then adjusted those figures to account for a handful of other pandemic-related factors. The final count only estimates deaths, quote, caused directly by the SARS-CoV-2 virus, according to the study's authors. Got it? They basically looked at how many people would have died by those causes in a normal year, decided that that was probably equal to the deaths we saved on flu, and then just said, yeah, guess it's about 900,000. But it's not 900,000. And we know it's not 900,000. If someone dies in a car accident and they have COVID, they're put on the COVID death stats. That is not a COVID death. If you are a thinking person or if you're a person who actually cares about public health rather than pretending that somehow it's advantageous for their study to show car accident deaths as covid deaths. That is just laundering of their narrative. And now we're meant to imagine that somehow a million, nearly a million people have died from this pandemic, even though there is nowhere close to an extra million people that have died in the last year. Got it? It doesn't even make sense to think about it that way. A million people died from COVID. And Anthony Fauci goes out on TV and accepts the model as true. Oh, the model might be a little high or a little low. But I'm going to talk about this now as 900,000. So update your TV statistics, Chuck. I hope CNN finds out about this. We know Charlie Chester will be happy to put that number up there. But at this point, there's not much that Anthony Fauci won't say to try to make himself look relevant and competent and somehow save his own ass, which is never going to happen. This is from Just the News. Today, Daniel Payne. House Republicans target Fauci, Blinken, in effort to investigate Wuhan coronavirus lab leak theory. Biden administration also has indicated interest in leak hypothesis. House Republicans are stepping up efforts to investigate the lab leak origin theory of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, demanding answers and documents from high-ranking government officials regarding the possibility that the virus originally escaped from a lab in Wuhan, China. Multiple GOP leaders of the House Energy and Commerce Committee wrote to Secretary of State Antony Blinken last week asking for the State Department to, quote, release unclassified documents and declassify other documents, end quote, related to controversial department claims that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was involved in dangerous coronavirus research prior to the pandemic. The WIV has been a major focus for the U.S. government and the World Health Organization in examining the origins of COVID-19 and the possibility of a laboratory leak, the representative said in the letter asking for Blinken to respond by May 20th. Focus on the lab has been growing in recent weeks, driven in part by official dissatisfaction with the WHO's probe into the origins of COVID-19. The WHO team concluded that the lab leak theory was, quote, extremely unlikely. 
But the Biden State Department has strongly implied that it is skeptical of that assessment. Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines, meanwhile, indicated that the U.S. intelligence community considered the lab leak theory a viable hypothesis, with officials, quote, continuing to work on this issue and collect information, end quote, as she claimed. And in another GOP letter last week, U.S. Rep. Mike Gallagher asked White House coronavirus advisor Anthony Fauci for information on the U.S.'s past funding of Wuhan Institute of Virology, including what kind of research was supported. Among the more controversial pieces of the Wuhan lab puzzle has been Fauci's proximate involvement in bankrolling it. The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which Fauci has headed for decades, sent hundreds of thousands of dollars to the lab by way of the U.S. biomedical nonprofit EcoHealth Alliance. That's Peter Daszak. The funding went directly to the lab's years-long coronavirus research, with scientists there attempting to determine the spillover potential of coronaviruses, ostensibly in an effort to get ahead of the next pandemic. Some scientists and critics have claimed that those experiments constituted gain-of-function research, in which the pathogenicity of viruses are enhanced to study their potential infectiousness. The National Institutes of Health has denied those claims. If the lab was indeed the source of the pandemic, then Fauci's role in funding it for years could tarnish his professional reputation, as well as embarrass the Biden administration for having elevated and celebrated Fauci over the past several months. Gallagher, in his letter, asked Fauci how much government funding has gone to the Wuhan Institute of Virology over time and how much of that support supported gain of function research, as well as what Fauci knows, if anything, about the reports of sick researchers at the lab months before the pandemic officially began. The letters from the House Republicans are likely just the opening sorties in what's shaping up as a lengthy and labor-intensive effort to determine the origins of SARS-CoV-2. The largest hurdle may ultimately not be federal officials, but rather China's communist leaders who are notoriously secretive and given to cover-ups. The World Health Organization's origin mission was itself criticized for being too deferential to Chinese interests. The researchers themselves, among whom were EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daszak, reportedly only spent one day at the Wuhan lab. Got that? So what we could assume as one of the most important, critical questions from a public health perspective about coronavirus, which is where it started, whether or not it was manipulated, and who was responsible for it, all of those things now 18 months plus later are still unknown. And why are they unknown? Well, because China's covering them up. Knowing that China is covering them up and that this information is vital to the public health effort, why is Anthony Fauci not using his very valuable television time? And I don't think any but he working in public health during a pandemic has had more time on television. Most people actually involved in that should be working instead of going on interviews over and over and over again. Why doesn't Anthony Fauci have a comms director? Does anyone ever wonder that? But why isn't he using his time on television to ask that question and get the American people to pressure our government to get these answers from China? He doesn't care about that. Why? Because he knows the answer. That's the most obvious reason why. And even if somehow Fauci doesn't know the answer, isn't it odd that he doesn't seem to care about looking at all, even though he funded the lab? And even though he has written in favor of gain of function research 
And even though this virus is indicative of gain of function research, Fauci doesn't care. Isn't that a little strange? And then there's this. The Telegraph India reported China probed weaponizing coronavirus in 2015. Reports, the bombshell documents obtained by the U.S. State Department reportedly show the Chinese People's Liberation Army commanders making the sinister prediction. Chinese scientists allegedly investigated weaponizing coronaviruses five years before the COVID-19 pandemic and may have predicted a World War III fought with biological weapons, according to media reports referring to documents obtained by the U.S. State Department. According to the Sun newspaper in the U.K., Quoting reports first released by the Australian, the bombshell documents obtained by the U.S. State Department reportedly show the Chinese People's Liberation Army commanders making the sinister prediction. U.S. officials obtained the papers, which were written by military scientists and senior Chinese public health officials in 2015 as part of their own investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Chinese scientists described SARS coronaviruses, of which COVID is one example, as presenting a new era of genetic weapons. The PLA papers referenced seem to fantasize that a bioweapon attack could cause the enemy's medical system to collapse. It references work by U.S. Air Force Colonel Michael Ainscoff, I guess, who predicted World War III may be fought with bioweapons. The paper also includes musing that SARS, which hit China in 2003, could have been a man-made bioweapon deliberately unleashed by terrorists. They reportedly boasted the viruses could be artificially manipulated into an emerging human disease virus, then weaponized and unleashed in a way never seen before. The document lists some of China's top public health figures among the authors and has been revealed in an upcoming book on the origins of COVID titled What Really Happened in Wuhan. And the article goes on. I welcome you to go read the rest of it. But... A conclusion drawn here is interesting. This is Peter Jennings, the executive director of the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. I think this is significant because it clearly shows that Chinese scientists were thinking about military application for different strains of the coronavirus and thinking about how it could be deployed. What else do you need to know? Except for why Anthony Fauci was helping them. Now, I want to talk for a bit about One of the things that confuses me the most, particularly about the Romneys and Obamis and the way they approach all of this stuff, you can give them endless amounts of information and proof and justification for everything you think. And if it isn't the exact form of evidence that they decide in the moment they require for belief then they'll reject what you're saying out of hand, even though they can't in any way prove its falsity. And now I'm talking about something like this, you know, the coronavirus lab theory, for instance, or claims about election fraud. They believe this is the most secure election in history because one person said that because they don't understand how courts work. Because they think that as long as they get the decisions, then no one could ever be corrupt except when somebody else has the decision go their way or when someone else is running things. And then that person's corrupt all the time, right? Because no one actually disagrees with them except for basically the entire country. Because they never bothered to look at the evidence because they think everyone is as hateful as they are 
especially when it comes to Donald Trump and his supporters. You know, people who don't wear masks enough. People who go to rallies. They're all white supremacists. For whatever reason they choose, they will discount whatever is put in front of them. They'll still act like they want to have conversations. They'll still act like they're listening because they think it makes them look elevated in an academic sense by doing so. And so I had a couple conversations with people over the weekend, and it's not important to go into the specifics of the conversation. But one of the so one of the people was like bragging about how she's a super liberal. And I think that she thought I was going to, I guess, give her credit for that or something. But I that that's not a statement that means anything to me. You know, I'm like, uh, okay, well, you seem a little weird about it. You seem like you're trying to convince me of it. As if during that process, I'll recognize, oh, holy, I'm talking to a super liberal. I guess I better shut up. They probably know everything. I bet they went to college. <laughs> hey, commies, I went to a good college, okay? I'm not impressed. But then, of course, the other person did the the other side of the commie argument where they don't actually want to identify themselves as a commie or argue for any commie positions. Not that this commie could. She couldn't. She told me about how a homeless law that was passed a week ago in Austin, Texas, was actually very bad and she was very opposed to it. And so I started asking her questions about homelessness and I said, hey, you know. I don't know how it works in Austin, Texas, but I do know how it works in Los Angeles. And let me tell you about Proposition HHH. So we went along. She'd never heard of anything like this. She doesn't understand the homeless issue whatsoever. She just knew that there was moral credit on her side to be gained from telling other super liberals that she knows the law is bad. So that was a zero. The other side of it, though, was, oh, the I know both sides are bad. I know that both sides are corrupt. I don't trust any politicians and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, sure. So, you know, both sides are bad, but you don't know anything about the one side and you do whatever your side says. I know both sides are bad. So I pick this guy and I will argue against the other side. So you're really just saying that you think one side is not bad and is in fact good, but you know you get credit for seeming like a reasonable person by saying both sides are bad. And the problem with that is, is everybody, every commie in this country is clueless about what the sides are. They believe it's Democrat or Republican. That's pointless. No one like me or the people I talk to or the people who believe as I believe care about the Republican Democrat paradigm whatsoever. All the Democrats are commies or compromised and all the rhinos are communists or compromised. So one party is completely junk and the other one is at least half junk especially in terms of the power dynamics there. Although that is changing quickly. But there's no one in MAGA who cares about Republican and Democrat. I want to see Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell go down just as much as I want to see Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi go down. 
I want to see Kevin McCarthy go down because I think he's a liar about who he is and he's corrupt. And that's obvious. He lives with Frank Luntz. He tried to blame Donald Trump for the Capitol incident. He didn't object to overwhelming evidence of election fraud. I don't care about any of those people and neither does anyone else I know who supports the things I support. And I do know plenty. So right there, you've got your sides wrong. It actually isn't true that both sides are bad. One side is clearly not bad, and that's what makes them a side. If you want to rid the country and then the world of this kind of abuse of power and constant corruption and manipulation, actual legitimate evil, If you are against that, then you care about election integrity and would like to see the results of a forensic audit. It actually has nothing to do with Republican and Democrat. Again, I'm the guy that said, honestly, before I have heard anyone else say it or write it, that I think every single person in the country in public office who had an opportunity to object to the overwhelming evidence of election fraud and failed to do so should no longer be in office. I'm willing to listen to their claims, but that's what I believe. You had a responsibility to stand up for the good of your country that you took an oath to protect and defend and you failed to do so, period. Maybe not all of them need to go to prison. Maybe they didn't actively do something wrong. But they had an opportunity and a duty to do something and they failed to do it. So that's it. No more public power for you. That's my position. I don't care what party you're in. And that includes people who are the supposed good guys like Tom Cotton. Sorry, Tom. That was your big moment and you failed. And why did you fail? Well, it's probably because you have political ambitions that you thought this would help. And that is sad. There's another reason. I'm happy to hear it. Happy to give the dude a chance. But it seems to me that he had an opportunity to make a move where he saw a personal advantage and he took that opportunity. And that, if that's what it proves to be, is unforgivable. So we get into these conversations, right? And we're, we're talking about actual issues, or at least I'm under the impression that that's what we're talking about. But everything is constantly disregarded. And why? This is what I want to talk about, okay? I am telling you, Kami, something that, if true, would be of world-changing importance. If the China virus was created in a lab with Anthony Fauci's help and the funding of U.S. taxpayer dollars, and then that virus accidentally escaped the lab or was intentionally brought outside the lab and employed as a bioweapon, it actually matters quite a lot that we know that. Because that is an act of war. 
hiding the information about the virus for 18 months while knowing that the virus came out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology is also an act of war. Those acts of war are committed by a country who themselves are committed to world domination and have been throughout their history. That country also has 2 million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps where the women are sterilized and raped and their heads are shaved so that their hair can be sold to women in the Western world as hair extensions. The men are merely beaten and tortured. And they're all reeducated out of their religion. So that is who is on the other side of this war. That's the country responsible for this act of war. If I'm correct. Okay. So because of the stakes we're talking about here. And because of the fact that you actually can't explain any of the things that you say, much less any of the ones I say, just your own responsibility to the world suggests that you should hear out the explanation and investigate it for yourself. And the fact that so many of these commies simply refuse to do that, that's why they get zero sympathy from me. Okay? That's the problem. This is a world-changing problem, and they don't care. We can look at the same phenomenon when it comes to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all this Black Lives Matter nonsense. They don't know the first detail about any of the cases. Nothing. They don't look for details. They don't care. They get told to post a black square, so they post the black square. They get told to go to the protest, so they go to the protest. They get told to say that voter ID is racist, and so they say voter ID is racist. And now the Queen of England is coming out in favor of voter ID. So go ahead, Stacey Abrams. Call the Queen of England racist. Go ahead, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, Take a stand. And by the way, you're going to have to tell me why the Queen of England would be working to shore up voter ID if she's certain that Joe Biden won legitimately. So I guess we can say that the Queen of England also promotes the big lie. Eh, CNN? Where does Oprah come down on this? The Queen of England is now a racist who repeats the big lie according to the communist narrative. So that would also lump her in with all of us, right? The deplorables. Is the Queen of England a deplorable Hillary Clinton? Is the Queen of England some uneducated rube? Is that where we are now? And of course, they'd say no. Because they don't care about principles at all. And it is odd to me that people imagine themselves as somehow innately gifted at understanding politics, even though they don't study it at all. 
CNN has become entertainment to the point where, you know, when we used to go out into a public setting, we might talk about how a baseball team played or about the Super Bowl or about what we watched on HBO. Now what we have are a bunch of people watching cable television who go into other groups of people and then try to be the best at repeating the slogans they heard on TV. And collectively, they all believe that that's actually having a conversation about important social issues. But none of them learn anything. They just agree with one another and then start demarcating enemies. Could you imagine acting this way about your personal life? Or how about at work? If someone came to me and they said, hey, just a heads up, there's some conversation right now and I think your job is in jeopardy. If you were smart, you would say, well, wait, how do you know that? And then you would allow the person to lay out as many ways as they have of convincing you of what they're saying. And maybe at the end they'll say, hey, well, you know, maybe it's nothing, but you got to keep an eye out for this and this and this because this is what I'm seeing and I just think it would be wise for you to just give it some thought. But that's not what we see. We don't see people actively taking any interest in their own future security at all. Because what these things mean, the falsity of these narratives that they do not understand and have not thought about and have not challenged, the fact that these narratives are false should be of world-changing magnitude to these people, and they don't care. Okay? They are so easily convinced that they are false, that they reject it out of hand, and they reject any information put in front of them. That would be like being told that your job is on the line and just being like, yeah, but you're stupid. And this is how they act to their friends and family, okay? Imagine it was your own brother that you work with who walks over and is like, hey, man, I just want you to know, okay? I know this is going to come as shocking and maybe you don't see it coming at all, but I accidentally read an email where there was an invite to a meeting It got sent to me. It was not supposed to be sent to me, but it was in an invite to a meeting where they were discussing specifically your employment at this company. And then you could show the email and they would still be like, yeah, but you're stupid. That would be an utterly insane way to walk through the world. Okay. You would not be able to make any good decisions in your personal life by acting that way. When someone tells you that there is the potential for enormous consequences to you for not examining an issue, and then instead of examining the issue, you figure out ways to dislike that person so you can discount them, I'm sorry, but you're the stupid one. And I can't say that in a nice way. And also, I refuse to. Because we don't need to cater to these people. The response to them should be mock and ridicule. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Honestly, people keep hammering me with it. 
I don't care about added attention. All right. If people turn themselves onto the show at some point and like it, wonderful. Otherwise, I don't care. I'm not your guy. How about that? Okay. But continuing to take these people seriously, even in a moral sense, is becoming impossible. Their positions are not based on knowledge or morality. They are repeating slogans. They are doing it for social credit. The way to eliminate them doing it is by eliminating the social credit. And the way you eliminate social credit for people with no knowledge who claim not only full knowledge, but full morality is to mock and ridicule them and to have it actually be embarrassing for them to display this lack of knowledge and morality. Okay. These conversations in public have been made so toxic because anyone who disagrees will be mocked and ridiculed by the commies. That's the position they hold. If you think about your conversations with these people in public over the years, unless you're a real strong personality type, you've probably sat there and listened to it and you disagree, but you didn't speak up and you didn't speak up because they were about to punish you socially. That's how that works. They are operating out of a position of power. I've said this before, but they are not speaking truth to power. Okay. They are speaking power to truth, which means they are confronted with truth and they overpower the other person's ability to say it, which is the same thing. Censorship is you have to eliminate the social credit. That is my aim. I want to point out how stupid and malicious these people are because it's important for you to understand that. And you don't have to go call them stupid and malicious but it doesn't change the fact that they are. They are the last people on earth to realize that they have been lied to about the most important issues they will ever face in their lives. This is literally the stuff that ends societies and they do not care because they are so comfortable. That is what real privilege is. Okay. That is a total lack of real intelligence. There's nothing else I can say. There's no other way to describe it. So sorry, commies. Mock and ridicule is what you get. And if you want to think I'm less mean about it, think about the masks right now. Think about how the commies treat you about their masks. They advertise them as if the problem is people not knowing how to wear them. It's that we don't want to. There's no reason to. You can't prove a reason and you don't even try. You tell us to wear one mask, then two. None of that means anything. So how do you get people to stop doing that? Everybody says, oh, well, you know, when, when they feel safe, they'll stop doing it. What? You're telling me they feel endangered. They don't act endangered. They do the mask thing in public. There's no proof that masks work. So they, it's certainly not a rational thing. 
So how do you get them to stop a behavior that they're doing for social credit? You have to take away the social credit. And when the social credit is gone, the behavior goes away because they are inextricably linked. Okay, if you don't agree with me about that theory again, maybe I'm not your guy. But I have worked for 17 years at the highest end of the Hollywood social scene. And that's a pretty intense social scene. So if I'm wrong about how social credit works, you're going to have to find a real good argument to prove that one to me. All right. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.
It's hell!